it's Chris. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You don't have to do any of that work. In addition, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back to the Situation in the Story podcast, where you can peer into what happens behind the page as I pick authors' brains about their experiences, their process, and their purpose. I'm your host, Chris Moore. If you like what you hear today, please leave a rating and write a review on iTunes so I can keep on keeping on. And spread the word to your literary friends to subscribe or follow the Situation of the Story podcast. As always, thank you for listening. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. For my 16th episode, I sat down with my favorite poet on the planet, Summer Browning. She's a writer living in Denver. Her books include Backup Singers, published in 2014 by Birds LLC. Either Way I'm Celebrating, published in 2011 by Birds LLC. Poet Librarians in the Library of Babel, published by Litwin Books in 2018, and You're on My Period, published in 2016 by Counterpath, and several others. She's the founder and director of Georgia, a non-commercial art space that she runs out of her garage when it's warm. She works as a librarian at Auraria Library. How are you? I'm okay. It's been a rough few days. A lot of feelings. Yeah, I like almost cried yesterday, I think, which I don't really do very well. Yeah. So that's how you know. It's a little, I don't know. I'm just like over it. <laughs> I'm over it. I want everything to go back to, well, normal. Yeah, I know. It's not knowing when or how that will look that I think really makes it hard for me. Yeah, it's frustrating. Anyway, um, have you listened to the podcast at all? I did yesterday listen to most of Hillary's and Stephen's and Catherine's. Damn, you had a marathon. Well, I, you know, I just jumped in and out of those. Gotcha. All right, then you know that my first question is why do you write? I do, but I'm not saying that I prepared for it. (laughs) (laughs) That's better. I think I write to uh, connect with people, and that might be why I do anything, why I go on dates, why I am a mom, why I talk to my mother, why I am a librarian. I have this need to connect to other human beings and not feel alone in the world, maybe help them feel less alone. How's that been impacted by coronavirus? Oh, it's hard. <clears throat> I but I've been, you know, I text constantly with my friends and I talk to my family more and talk to friends on the phone more. But there, you know, I I have my daughter every other week, so there's, you know, I'm not alone in this for sure, but there are days and days where I don't see another human being. I mean, I might see them on the street walking around, but even then in my neighborhood, there aren't that many people walking around. So, yeah. Um, and calling and Zooming and all of that, I'm just realizing <clears throat> is not a substitution, you know? Yeah. When you haven't been hugged in a while. It fucking hurts. (laughs) Um, Fuck yeah. So, yeah, lots of revelations about that and who I am. Yeah, same same here. Because I live, well, I have my dog, but I live alone. So it's, I think, a different experience than maybe what people are having who are with their family or their partner or I mean, you have your daughter about only half the time, so you get it. Yeah. So do you think, yeah, you you mentioned um, you wanted to talk about being an extrovert. Are you an extrovert? 
Yeah, I think I am an extrovert. Is that something you realized since this happened? No, I, I sort of know that. And I mean, I've taken that Myers-Briggs and I am an E um, yeah. on that. I'm an extrovert in the way where, you know, external validation is very important to me and I need to sort of see myself reflected in the other for me to get energy and creativity. And uh, I get, I think it's hard for me to generate that on my own. I need my work to interact with people. I need to interact with people. I don't, there would be no point to my life if I was on a desert Island all alone. I don't, I, I wouldn't <laughs> have any desire to live, honestly. Um, do you think that's interesting you say that because I've been thinking about the point of life since this all started. Too, because <laughs> Please share I, your thoughts. Well, it, it is like you're forced to figure out what the fuck the purpose of existing is kind of because I imagine, I mean, I, I'm an introvert, but like I am a teacher. So five days a week, I'm in a classroom full of people. And there's something about that, that gives me a sense of purpose and connection. And, and I've always, I don't know. I've always been like, uh, it'd be my dream come true to work from home. And then <laughs> now that it's happened, it's fucking so existentially weird. Yeah. It's like, I, I definitely went through several, I still go through several days on and off of what's the point. Like, what's the point? What's the point of anything now? <laughs> this is getting dark really fast. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not in the best of states um, at the moment, but, you know, I mean, I, I always think about that. What's the point? I, I love entertaining that question. And Me too. Um, you know, I think the scariest thing would be to truly believe and know what the point was. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that mystery kind of compels me and you know if you knew what the point was you would just go do that thing and how boring would that be um i don't know i uh so i like thinking about that and you know there's a there's a certain amount of when you don't know what the point is that's a point of entry that you can breach with other people, you know, that's, a, yeah. that's a thing we all can share in common and or have in common. And, uh, you know, there's maybe those people you think, God, do they ever think about what's the point of life? And, you know, you can't connect with those people. Um, <laughs> well, you can't, I can't, I agree. Like I, I think about this all the fucking time. Well, I remember asking you whenever we played basketball that day. Oh, we oh, really long. played too, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> we were I, panting and too hot. We didn't drink water. But I asked you if you ever get depressed and you said no. And I was shocked, A, because you're an artist and a writer and I don't know, that just seems to sometimes go with the territory, but do you feel like, I don't know, you never get depressed by that that question? Like, what's the point? I enjoy the mystery too, but sometimes I feel like it's literally impossible to even get close to answering that question. So what's the point? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I feel like I want to say I don't get depressed. Like, I don't have depression. I don't get depressed in the way um, some of my friends get depressed. I certainly get blue and sad and uh, self-destructive and self-loathing. Um, 
Okay, good. So you are human. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I have a couple sociopathic tendencies, but they do not dominate. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I guess when you start to think there is no point, that's when it can get pretty dicey and dangerous. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I'm in and out of so many different registers of life. Like, uh, you know, I might say, oh gosh, there's no point, you know? And then you're like, we, then I think about my body and senses and feeling close to somebody or having sex or hugging my kid or something. And I'm like, oh, that's the point. You're just a beast in the world who has sense perceptions and they're pleasurable and that's wonderful. Then that can pull me out of that space, you know? Then I'm like, well, is that it? You're just perceiving and feeling? It's just like 40 more years of feeling, yippee. <laughs> it's like, so then that doesn't work. And then I have to like kind of talk myself out of that one and say, well, come on, there's mysteries out there that you don't even know about and just tr believe in the cosmic nature of revelation or something. And I can sit in that for a while until I'm like, that's bullshit. It's all structures <laughs> we made up. <laughs> and I have to pull myself out of that one. <laughs> This should be your next stand-up routine. <laughs> I it sounds fucking eerily like my mental process. Yeah, it's just like but, constantly convincing yourself not to kill yourself. <laughs> see, so like, okay, yeah. So when I said you get depressed, I feel like the answer should have been maybe yes. <laughs> Sometimes I think, uh. Like, as far as the animal part of being human, being a beast, right? Like, sometimes I'm like, we're, you know, what's our purpose? What, where would we feel best? And and then I'm like, all right, we should go back to like hunter gatherer times because I don't know. Birds are made to fly. Dogs are made to walk. Humans are made to, I don't know, hunt and gather. Like, <laughs> maybe that's our purpose. So then I think about going to live in the wild. Of course, it never happens. Well, you wouldn't be happy there. You know, we have um, this very complicated brain. Um, that's why we're not hunter-gatherers anymore. We were probably like, damn, this is boring. Gotta be an easier way. Let me invent something, you know. We have to deal with this Do you think we were bored as hunter-gatherers? Fuck yes. You don't think that's Born? boring? <laughs> I mean... Wouldn't you want... That's why people painted cave time. walls. Yeah, but that that's art, right? That's the gathering. That's the gathering? <laughs> <laughs> Hunting, gathering, and gathering. I like that. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like... I don't know. Do you think I mean, this is taking a weird ass turn already? But do you think humans are? Do you believe in evil? Evil, good and evil. Like are humans basically good? Are humans basically not good? Oh. Um, I don't believe in evil. No. Um, but I guess I do believe in good. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's not fair. Well, you know what? I have trouble with opposites. I mm. I don't... It's hard for me to believe in opposites. Like, like, on is the opposite of off. I'm like, no, it's just uh, off. I don't know. It's like just not on. I mean, I don't... <laughs> it's hard to me. <laughs> that sounds so stupid. It's just hard to me to conceive of... Opposites. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's, you can describe anything any way you can make an excuse for anything. 
you can turn anything into being good or being evil. You know, people say, well, uh, there's this argument that people are good just because it makes them feel good. And then they try to undermine the good act because it might yeah. not be pure or something. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, thank you for being good. I don't give a shit why, you know, like, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but we oh, have yeah. some, you know, I think we're also scared of death that, I mean, everyone except for me, uh, <laughs> that we... uh, I don't think we were scared of death as hunter-gatherers, though. Well, we decided to stop being hunter-gatherers for a reason, you know? Well, this is why I ask if, if humans are good or bad, because I think the domestication, like the the advent of agriculture and like staying put in one place is the reason we invented capitalism, which I find evil. <laughs> it's pretty awful. I think it, it, it is kind of exploits our worst qualities and it, it is, it comes from that capitalism, you know, yeah. uh, we have to have, have, we have the haves and the have nots. We have to have the other and ourselves and, so with capitalism, there's always some people, some populace that's being trodden upon <clears throat> in grisly, grisly ways. Yeah. Um, it's awful. And all of us are implicated. I mean, you can be as good as you want and as service-oriented as you want, but, I mean, you still have your iPhone, which is, you know made in a factory where people work 12 hour days, seven days a week and kill themselves constantly. Cause they're so fucking okay. upset. Um, we're all in denial about that or else we would just fall into a puddle and not be able to move. I think you truly realized how much suffering just you being an American is causing. Um, yeah. It's outrageous. So I think, you know, I think capitalism works on that level, too, where it's like, well, you're part of this. So you, you know, squeeze that down, push that way down. And it's requiring us to live in this state of denial. So just piling on the denial is pretty easy once you've already got that base level that it's kind of like you're alive because other people are dying. But you don't find that evil. Um, I think it's cruel. And I don't know, evil seems to have like this instruction manual or something, or there might be like an authority about evil. I mean, and it's like, I always see the devil or something or like a dictator or something. And it's yeah, not, so I mean, it's just a part of being alive, you know? Is it? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think systems and societies and peoples have harnessed it. So that it can create maximum damage. Um, or maximum, I don't know, maximum comfort <laughs> for those that benefit from it. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, who are you? Where, where, where were you born? Where'd you grow up? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your personal history, if you will. Well, I was born long ago in the 70s. The 1970s, not the 1870s. Uh, um, in Venice, California. Wow. Yeah. Was born on Sunset Boulevard. Uh, grew up six blocks from the beach. It was great. Dude. I miss the beach so much. Me too. Um, when I was 15, my family moved to Virginia, Stafford which is an hour south of D.C. We lived in the country. Um, that sounds like culture shock. Severe culture shock. I'm still reeling from it, you know, 30, 30 years later. Um, I stayed in Virginia for a while. Went to college there, moved to Richmond, <clears throat> lived in D.C. for a little while, then got my poetry 
MFA in Arizona for a couple of years, moved to New York after that for six years, and then moved to Denver in 2010. I've been here a long time. I haven't been in a place for this long in a long time. Same here. I moved here in 2009, so it's been over a fucking decade. I'm ready to move on. Yeah, I feel that too. But you just got tenure. No, I didn't get it yet. And if this corona messes with it, I'm going to be so upset. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you got it. No, I, I think... They they were supposed to tell us in May, and I think that's now been moved to June. So yeah, so but you're ready to move on from Denver. You know, Denver's never been my favorite place. Um, a lot of libertarians here that drive me crazy. <laughs> uh, that's what I always say. Denver, those goddamn libertarians. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I have I've created a nice little spot for myself here. I like my garage gallery. I know tons of artists and filmmakers and writers, librarians, all these good people. Um, so it'll be hard to leave because I I've never really felt this connected to a place or to the people mm-hmm. of a place. Um, the place is not important to me. I, I've because ne- I've never been so fond of the city, but um, that'll be hard to be the older, th- this old, and then start over somewhere. So I think about that a lot, and if I have it in me to do that, but yeah, but I'd have I have the itch to get out. You mentioned your gallery. Tell us about your gallery. Well, I guess tw- in twenty seventeen, I uh, I started this non commercial art space in the garage behind my house. And just have shows in there when it's warm and the weather is good. So maybe six shows a year. I don't know what's going to happen this year. Um, But all sorts of different art that I like or people approach me now and ask to have gatherings in there. And I love how informal it is. You know, it's still kind of a white walled room, but the garage door is open and it's a you hang out in the backyard and use my toilet. And it's like this wonderful mix of, of home and art space and house party. And I don't know, it's just a really comfortable, welcoming place, I think, to see art and Mm -hmm. a place where people can take risks because there's no kind of commercial atmosphere about it. And, you know, no expectations to sell anything or, Mm-hmm. Yeah, so some people who've never curated a show have curated in there for the first time. Um, definitely pieces that wouldn't be shown in a gallery space, like very loud noise pieces. Yeah. I love that part about it. How do you define art? Well, I don't really do that. <laughs> All right, let me reword. <laughs> what is art? Like, what's what? Um, do you think art serves a function or a role? I definitely do. I mean, I think it comes back to that connection bit. I think that much of it is, I mean, there's, you can describe it with a thousand adjectives, but a lot of it is that desire to connect with somebody else to say, this is what I'm feeling. Do you feel this way too? Mm. Do you see things this way? Do you know my story? That's That seems to be part of the drive. And it's pretty freaking wonderful that everybody has that drive. And every culture, time period, everything has this desire to make art. It's pretty dang special. And human, right? Yeah. Yeah, you talk about our complicated brains. I guess that's how that's one way we're different from animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, your <clears throat> short film, Everything Looks Better at Night, was recently selected for an award, right? For COVID-19 Artist Relief Video Art Award. Am I saying that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you'd like describe the film and kind of as much or little as you want about what you were trying to do in it? The film is a 
made up of weather reports that I asked maybe a dozen people to record. I just asked them to go outside or stay inside or whatever, just describe the weather that day. Start with the date mm -hmm. and tell me what the weather's like. And um, for about four or five days, I was getting these texts of these audio of these weather report and weather reports and people sending them to me and they were just so good. I had a suspicion that they would be good. I, I had a suspicion that they would sort of betray the weather report and reveal, you know, something about the person who's giving yeah. the report. Um, yes. But dang, it, re it they really did. They really did. Yeah. And um, I, I wanted to do this months ago, but something about, so, the, and then we couldn't, you know, I, I, w I wanted to have people deliver their reports on video in person, you know? Um, yeah. So when I saw this call for entries, I, I was like, this is, I can just use that idea in this other way. And in fact, it would even bring out these other qualities of isolation and separation and what it feels like to go outside now. It feels so different. It's so vital to me. I, I have learned that my mood is dependent on, on the weather in a way I didn't realize before. When I'm stuck mm -hmm. inside and it's cold and snowy, I have a bad day. <laughs> but so so then I, I, I strung all those audio pieces together and edited them down and sort of pulled out. It was like revising a poem a little bit, like pulling out um, the language that I liked the most or that had mm -hmm. kind of a narrative arc and or a poetic arc, I guess, in most cases here. Uh, and then I just paired it with random, pretty random images of the sky. Um, and my mother took some pieces and she was very critical of, of this, of this movie. <laughs> and she's just like, why is it called? Everything looks better at night. You don't have any pictures of the night. Um, all sorts of, all sorts of great criticisms. Uh, anyway, she gave me a lot of good footage of the sky too. And she, she, that's her saying that in the movie and that's that, yeah. It, that basically summarizes her whole persona. You know, she has, she's just like, well, everything's a piece of shit, isn't it? But, <laughs> you know, you just go on. Yeah. She has that kind of attitude. First of all, how do I want to say this? Where do you, how do you collect your ideas for art, for these things that you make? Like for, with the film, I don't know. I'm annoying in this way where I want to be like, what does the art mean? Tell me everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> I want to figure it out and understand it. But um, yeah, that piece, I don't know. I mean, it definitely speaks to isolation and, and being inside and, you know, how we're all, we're all under the same sky and how we all interpret that differently. And, you know, how did I get that idea? I don't know. It just came to me and I wrote it down. I have like ideas all the dang time. I have so many ideas all, all the time. I know you do. They're really fucking brilliant. Well, you don't see the ones that are very, very stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I still think, I still think that I probably would still be like, that's so cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I told you to me that film felt like there's almost fucking something it reminds me of that I can't put put my finger on quite, but like I had mentioned like somebody stranded in space, like checking in every day, like giving, you know, this is what's happening. Anybody out there kind of thing. Yeah. And it was really eerie, but also like really beautiful. Yeah. It, it definitely captured some kind of loneliness and I, that we're feeling, I think, and that desire to connect and reach out and feel less lonely. Yeah, I like, I, I loved how you told me that. Because then I, I did imagine, you know, I think about that Voyager record out in space a lot. And so I thought about, like, a you lot. Do? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. It is so sad. It's just so, it's just like, look at me, we're earthlings. 
oh, this is what we do. We play. I mean, it's just so pathetic and sad <laughs> and beautiful. Yeah. Like as if anyone gives a shit. As any uh, aliens care, you know. We we are assuming that they care, that they want to learn about what? us and our culture and stuff. You don't think so? It's just such a human thing to think that aliens would care about that. Yeah, but aliens could be humans. Yeah, they could. Like, do you That's care? also a very human thing to think. <laughs> I mean, aliens That's... are probably like these cubes that are just glowing. And they, you know, that's it. That's what you think. That's probably what they are. Did you watch Interstellar? I think I did. Is that, does it have a big um, t- uh, uh, tsunami on a planet? A big what? Tsunami. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yes. I love yeah. that part. That part's crazy. Do you, maybe you don't remember the end. <laughs> when he goes into the black hole or oh, the wormhole. Yeah, I do. That was so crazy. Yeah, like. I think that could be real. <laughs> that just slipping into the other dimension. Yeah, like they're they're. Or that's where the aliens are. Well, I don't know. Like aliens aside, when when I think about being fucking stuck in a human body and perceiving the world through a fucking human body, a it blows my mind. Uh, but b there there has to be. And maybe this is a very human thing to say. Like another dimension. Another way. Like, I don't know. I think about this shit too much, too. Time. Mm-hmm. If time isn't real. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah, I, I love thinking about that. Like, if all time exists simultaneously. And that's when I go down that rabbit hole. I mean, time is unreliable. I, I think everybody knows that. You know, we just sort of have agreed on counting it this way and sort of have experienced, you know, agreed on experiencing it this way. But there are definitely times in everyone's life where you, you're just like, no, it, 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 there's a, there's some kind of, not collision, but it just doesn't fit right. When you're grieving, for instance, time is different than when you're just going to work and it's a normal Wednesday. You know, when you have a child, you experience time differently. I mean, yeah, that, that might be another function of art is to actually elucidate those times when what we experience doesn't jive with all these mm. handed down structures. For example, yeah. time, the way that <clears throat> romantic love is supposed to be, blah, 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 blah. Um, the way you're supposed to, what success means, things like that. So art is just like a way where we can escape some of that stuff. Because there is there is kind of a respite or like a peacefulness or just like a relief or something that I experience when I see art. All art? No. <laughs> no. When is art not art? Well, I don't know. I mean, I uh, part of me just thinks if you say it's art, then I believe you. What's the other part think? <laughs> you know, I mean, if somebody... I guess it's just maybe that's exact. That's how it is. It's if, if you <clears throat> perceive it with the uh, the framework of what art is, or the attitude, or the view, or the perspective, then it is art. Because I was just thinking, well, if you worked at PetSmart and you said <laughs> this is art, what I do at PetSmart, me going to oh, work, you know, me clocking in, yeah. And then, yeah. and, and you told me that I would, I would start thinking, okay, well, yeah, how is that art? And I would say, oh yeah, well, it's a performance of a, of a, of a vocation. It's, uh, you know, uh, engage, engaging with a society that makes you work for money. Uh, you know, I would start turning it into art and I would, I would be like, okay, I believe you. It's probably mm-hmm. a, it's probably just a perception or something or it's because you know we've all seen from you know just a circle painted on a canvas to you know somebody smashing their head against a wall and you're like this is this is both of these are art so it's because i think they are <laughs> <laughs> that's it so it's very fucking subjective you must i guess but say. everyone can do it though I know, but then you then then we're disagreeing on what art is. 
I mean, I guess everyone can make anything art. I mean, you, as the perceiver, you decide. Okay. I like that. Um, another piece of collaborative art that you recently facilitated, I guess, was uh, like an hour-long film of people reading your book, Backup Singers. What was the impetus for that? I bet you're going to say connection. <laughs> uh, I think for this one, the, 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 so I, I, st- I asked people to record themselves reading those poems a long time ago when the book came out. So 2014 or 2015 or something. So yeah. these videos are very old, some of them, and some of them are more oh. recent. Um, but I, that, the impetus for that, I think, was I have a new book out. I've never seen anyone do this. It's like an audio book, but it's other people um, reading it and interpreting it because some people do very artistic, filmic things with the videos. Some people just read them from their bedrooms. Um, mm-hmm. A little chance for me to see how other people um read the poems and where they put the emphasis and which poem did they choose and why and um i just thought it would be a really cool way to represent the book in a completely different medium yeah i told you i was asked to read poetry by one or two one or two poems by a poet that I really love and I want to do your poetry but it makes me so fucking nervous oh. to read your poems because I don't know there's something I don't know I feel like your poems need to be read by you well they don't so you're wrong okay <laughs> to know um but thank you i mean what does that mean that you that they have like his voice or something yeah um there's like a couple there's a couple like films musical artists poets authors that i think are like absolutely timeless like they touch something in me that is very don't even know the word i mean yeah i should have probably thought about this before i started saying it but time i mean timeless is i guess as close as i'm gonna get to it um and you're one of them and i remember when i the first time i saw you read was at like book bar or something and a few years ago and i was like Oh shit, like this is the best poet I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) I know you think that's so funny, but I really do feel that way. And I read a lot of poetry and I think you're the best poet on the planet. But there's something, especially in Backup Singers, about the repetition and the. I don't, I have no words. I have no, my words are broken. Like, it touches something in me that's very, like, what's a word for, like, I don't know, when you're a child and, yeah, I've got, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I like that you don't know how to explain it. But thank you. That sounds really. I need to think about that, though. I don't like that I don't know how to explain it. I mean, I'm not trying to, I don't want to explain it perfectly because I don't, yeah, I think, I don't think it's, I think it has to be felt, (laughs) but. That's really nice, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Can we talk about comedy? Mm -hmm. A lot of people, I'm thinking back to Chappelle's recent uh, stand-up special that a lot of people got really mad about and. Yeah, how you? I feel like you and I were like, no, this is exceptionally well done, <laughs> and I didn't want to get in trouble with the world 
the social media world, but I was like, this is so fucking good. So uh, there's this recurring question, I guess. Is there anything you shouldn't joke about as a comedian? And I'm interested to know what you think about that. Well, is there anything you shouldn't joke about? I mean, <clears throat> there. first of all, there's nothing you can't joke about. I think that we are very clever human beings and language is truly amazing, all-encompassing. You can break it and build it back any way you want. So there are ways to make anything, and we have seen thousands of comedians do this, to make anything funny. You know, I mean, I always talk about Richard Pryor, and Live on the Sunset Strip is a masterpiece that I just, I think about all the time, and he talks about the most painful, cruel vulnerable, upsetting things, and he makes them funny because he's a genius, you know, and so he can, he can do that. And so I think, I think you can do that. I mean, you know, you might have to um, have a certain level of talent to maybe, which talent is just practice, 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 basically, um, to make some of these very delicate, painful things funny, but I think it can be done. Uh, should it be done? Probably, uh, but probably not by a hack. Uh, <laughs> you know, well, shit, I, shit can be straight offensive, you know, and you can hurt people's feelings. And I, I really don't like hurting people's feelings um, for the sake of doing that. Uh, so... You have to do it deftly and you have to know what you're doing and you have to take it seriously. I mean, that's, that's the other thing is I think a lot of times when, when stuff is offensive and it's just, it's just that person isn't, uh, you can't tell that they are taking it seriously and that, and that they don't mean it, I guess. So, I mean, to make fun of something, you have to, you have to be in love with it. You know, you have to know it inside and out. Um, to make fun of something in a good way that's that's artful and that's, you know, life affirming, you really have to be in deference to it. Um, yeah. Or else it just comes off as trash. <laughs> but even those that do it really fucking well will be criticized for being offensive. Yeah, that is true. I mean, do you think that certain things should only be joked about by certain people? For example, is it different for a cis white man to, make, to write a joke about uh, race than it is for a black man. Yeah, very different. It's very different. And I think both can do it and they have the right to do it. Um, and they should, and they should, if they're interested in that, they should definitely explore it and figure out how to do it and how to yeah. do it. You have to take into account a million things where you come from, who you are, what, what, how people are going to perceive it. And, you have to be really smart about it, and I think it. Both people can do it, and it can work. Yeah, but Is you can't mind? say the exact same. I mean, it's so complicated, <laughs> so deep, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Did you ever? Did you end up watching that uh, Michelle Wolf special? I did. The, what did you think? I thought it could have been funnier. <laughs> Say more. Um, I like her. I like the way she talks about sex and dirty things more than some of these other women comedians who I think they're still bank. They're still cashing in on the, oh, girls aren't supposed to talk about sex, but I'm talking about sex or dirty things. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and it's really cheap, but sort of the way she talks about it is, I think, smarter and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think she's like cashing in on just like uh, Amy Schumer is, um, she's still, you know, she's just like, oh, she's a dirty girl, you know, and I don't think mm -hmm. that about Michelle Wolf. I think she's like more, she's, she does, she talks more about society and being mm -hmm. a woman alive in the world in her own experience. And she's not mm -hmm. just like being dirty for the sake of being dirty or something. So I, I like right. that a lot about her. And I loved that whatever it was, correspondence thing, dinner oh, thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there were some several, I can't really mem remember it that well, but there were several parts of that special that I thought were really funny. But overall it wasn't, I don't think it's like my style too, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I agree that she's really making, uh, commenting on, you know, what it, what it's like to be a woman alive today, the kind of the social and political stuff, which is probably why, more why I sent it to you, but some of that shit was really funny. <laughs> um, who are like some, some of your favorite comedians and then who are, who are you more critical of? Uh, you know, I haven't really watched it in a long time, but yeah, Richard Pryor for sure. And and all of them have really bad specials too. And really right. bad jokes too. Um, which is kind of great. Um, you know, I always thought Louis C.K. was really funny. I mean, he sounds like a total dick face, but whatever um <laughs> what do you mean whatever so this is this is kind of like where where i want to go with this does this you know now that he's had what sexual allegations against him right is he yeah, not i guess so. is he not is he not funny anymore well like what's your th your thoughts on like cancel culture <laughs> oh yeah like, like now he's canceled, right? Yeah, I think he is. Um, but I think he just came out with a new special, actually. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the problem I have with all of that stuff is that, you know, I really want, if if people are being hurt by someone, I want that person to make amends, fix themselves, take responsibility and stop doing that shit. You know, Yeah. that's what I would want. And I think that's probably what everybody wants. Um, and, and a lot of that is I can't do that. I was not the victim. I was not the perpetrator. I hope that, th that the community of that person gets around them and helps heal them and they transform themselves and, and are better. Uh, so cancel culture has, they're not doing that. That's not what's happening. Uh, I get it. I, I get furious at these people too. And they yeah. might be despicable or, or whatever, but I don't think the root problem and is in any way getting solved by media or yelling at people. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe structures could could change because of that, but you know, I I think that a lot of times it's like the real point in that transformational change uh, is just kind of run over and pushed to the wayside by a bunch of people yelling real big about how uh, this or that person is wrong. Yeah. And, and, uh, I don't listen to that stuff very much and it's, you know, I get it. It comes from being angry and, and probably being a victim yourself. So, I mean, I, I can separate the art from the person most of the time. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, w- I would have a problem with being like, you're a shitty person, so I'm not going to buy, you know, the vegetables you grow. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, really? I don't know. I mean, if there's a nice person next to you growing the same vegetables, like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, you made mention of wanting to talk about if nonfiction actually even exists, oh. which I really need to know what the fuck you mean by that. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I just, I just, I, I don't. I guess what I tried to mean, which I, I don't have it thought out or anything. You were like, "What should we talk about?" And I was just like, "I don't know." The, four, no, the first great. five things that came into my mind. So. <laughs> yeah, well, let's hear it. What are your thoughts on that? I guess it's just really, it's getting harder and harder for me to understand what's fiction and what's nonfiction. And then, you know, there's creative nonfiction and poetry is obviously nonfiction, but it can be filled with lies. And so th- there's just like no... What is, you know, what's the truth? I mean, feelings, I guess, are the truth. Um, perception. Perception can be, you know. You talk, I mean, you've talked in this conversation, you've talked a lot about how if I decide it's true, then it's true. If I decide it's art, then it's art. If I, you know, nonfiction, not to say you can just decide lies are true, but. For me, it's, I mean, I talk about it a lot with people because I write it, like, even if it's only how you remember it and not necessarily exactly what happened, then it's still your experience and perception. Yeah. Uh, Right. So how do you reconcile that with any kind of notions of truth or fact or it's hard are you speaking on like a philosophical level? Yeah. I mean, and also, I mean, you can't pull it away from the political context of now when conspiracy theories and alternative facts and all of that are running rampant. Um, <laughs> alternative facts. I forgot about remember that. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's fascinating. Alternative facts. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm trying, I'm thinking of more of like, that you know your personal truth is kind of subjective and and yeah philosophically those things are you know what you feel and what you believe and what you experience ends up being your truth and your behaviors stem from that um so that that's a certain kind of truth and and uh and then there's other things that are you know mo- they're facts like that happened. Um, and I, I don't think that's truth, probably. Maybe that's facts. Maybe that's different. Mm. Maybe truth is uh, a little broader and loftier and, and kind of long term. I feel like through writing a memoir, I've realized there is no truth. <laughs> <laughs> like... Okay, you're right. So, like, the way you remember. So, like, for example, I let my my mother read the first draft of my uh, memoir. Oh, you did? Yeah. Wow. T- took a lot of begging on her part. And I was like, whatever, fuck it. Oh, she wanted to read it. Yeah. Whoa. I was like, I don't think, I don't think you should. Like, it's going to hurt. Like, it's going to hurt. Yeah. Um, did it as a was she hurt? Yeah, she felt very regretful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably the first time I ever got a kind of a sincere apology. Uh, That's and amazing. like, an, uh, yeah, but when you're a kid growing up, I think you have a more immediate sense of. Like <clears throat> what you experienced growing up, that's the truth, like because of how it made you feel. Right. But 
after I let her read it, she was like, I don't remember being like that. Like that wasn't her true, her reality. Yeah. And it, and it had such profound impacts on who I am and who I became. And now that I've kind of put that story on the page. Now it's like, well, fuck. <laughs> it's just random. It's just random fucking people coming together and you, you experience what you experience. And it, yeah, it, it determines your behaviors and your, personality later but it was fucking random like nobody meant any of it kind of thing yeah it's bizarre yeah such an important thing to realize and you can only really do it when you're older um, yeah and, and mm. i think in order for non i don't know non-fiction writers that do it well are really explicit about that like the fact that this is my experience and my story and it might not even be accurate it's almost like it's almost like comedy in that way like you can play with it once you own the fact like my memory is faulty and i've experienced and internalized these things the way that i have then it's it's easier to write about, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think too. Uh, <clears throat> it it probably makes more places where other people can enter too. You know. You know, there's a blurriness there, or something that you're admitting is there, and. Right. It seems generous. And 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 definitely smart. Yeah. What? Who are some people that you think do that well, or who are your favorite nonfiction folks? Oh shit. Um. I know. I I hate that. Just name no. one, or it doesn't matter. But I always, <laughs> I just black out when any anyone ever. I asks I, me I that. do too. So I'm I'm looking at my books. <laughs> They're right in front of me. So that definitely Ann Boyer. Uh. Sophia Shamiev, Maggie Nelson. I mean, it's kind of the thing to do now. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like to say explicitly, write in, write in your book, like, blah, 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 happened, comma. At least that's how I remember it. Mm -hmm. So everybody's doing it now. <laughs> but yeah. um, what about you? Do you read much, like... Memoir or essay? <clears throat> um, a little bit more recently, my boyfriend sent me a box of... Hold the phone. What, what boyfriend? <laughs> I have a boyfriend now since maybe November. Um, he lives in Seattle. He's a writer. But uh, he's nonfiction. And okay. so I sort of been going through these books of essays and kind of fragmentary memoirs and things. Um, so I got into that Annie Dillard book. Uh, is it for the time being? Something like this? Oh, <clears throat> yeah. It's really great. I <clears throat> I like her a lot. I read one of her pieces last summer, one of her books last summer. But what do you think? Um, I can't remember. There were some pieces in there that I just thought about forever and ever while I was reading it. Hmm. And the whole book is really about you know, why are we alive and what's the point and why is there suffering? And um, so it's up my alley. Uh, <laughs> Same. <laughs> you might like Rebecca Solnit. Oh, yeah, I do. And But I didn't like her latest one that much. I couldn't get into it. Maybe I should try it again. I'm thinking of older stuff like... <clears throat> 
A field guide to getting lost. Yes, I liked that very much. Yeah. Um, what's this new one? Whose story is this? Yeah. I picked that up at AWP. It's right here, but I haven't opened it yet. Not so good? I didn't finish it. I just didn't get into it. You know, I read for more. I've been thinking about this a lot, too, I think. Maybe because um, my boyfriend remembers everything and is so smart and all this, but I don't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> I re I remember how the movie made me feel. I feel I feel like it it's transformed me and it it put me through the ringer or it gave me joy. Same with the books. I'm like, damn, I'm getting a bunch of stuff out of it and then it goes away and it, it, it shaped me, but I don't remember a turn of phrase or, you know, what year it was written or anything, or, or even almost sometimes that I even read it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just, but I got it, something out of it and it changed me and it shaped me and I'll be different from now on, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's different ways of experiencing the world, I guess. What are you working on now? What's next? I know. I feel a little, uh, I think this is why I might have been blue for the past few days is because I just don't have my next creative project. You know, I, I, I work a lot at my library job and sometimes that can kind of take over my thoughts. Um, so are you still working? Yep. Out of yeah. Out of the house? Yeah. Uh -huh. oh. Almost all of us can work remote. I mean, 99% of our staff can work remotely. Yeah. Libraries have been way ahead of this online curve, you know? Yeah. Uh, most of what we buy is online. The most of how we answer reference questions and help people do research is virtual through chat, email, phone. Um, yeah. It's a commuter school, so most of the people never did come into the library. Right. Um, so that's pretty exciting. It's it's hard. It's hard to not see my colleagues, but um, yeah, we're doing a really great job, I think. Um, yeah. Well, I I downloaded all my tweets, and I am kind of like arranging them. You know, you talk about, oh, it's really in fashion to say this is what happened or how I remember it. So yeah. is the frag, the, you know, memoir in fragments. So I'm going to jump on that bandwagon and try that out. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Sort of seeing how that is. But it is a, it's a big project and it's a little intimidating. So I've been kind of procrastinating on it. I don't want to jump in there. How many tweets do you have? I think 10,000. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. It's a lot. Your tweets are, are, your tweets are great A though. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. A couple other little small essay ideas, but mm -hmm. nothing that's just like, go driving me at the moment. It's hard in the state that we're in i haven't written shit really that's not true i wrote one short story but that was for a class that i was taking for like a pilot uh, you know beta class that i was kind of giving feedback to a friend oh well that's good do you like it it's really dark, uh, and it needs a lot of work, but yeah, it, it's the first time I really tried to write fiction. So that was interesting and yeah. difficult, but that's yeah. great. Well, if there's something I... there, you can just revise it and shape it up. It's nice when. Even if you don't know what you're doing and you're like, yeah, but there's a couple of things here that are intriguing or working. It's nice. Yeah. 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 It's fun. All right. 
Well, anything else you want to discuss? <laughs> um, I love talking to you. Thank you for this. You can't talk yeah, about this yeah. crazy stuff with just anybody, you know. Yeah. Also, do you have an animal? You should get an animal. I don't like those. No? No. That's one of those sociopathic things I mentioned earlier. Don't really care for animals. <laughs> I just don't get it. I, I never bonded with one. I don't know what kind of love they could give you. I mean, you're just projecting, really. I mean, I, I think uh, it's cozy. Yeah, I mean, a dog, you know, they rely on you for what they do. Survival, fucking so. They don't love you. They love you. They're loyal <laughs> to you. They're loyal to you. Yeah. My dog, well, but you also get live interaction, physical yeah, touch with yeah. something that's alive. You know what? I, I had a rat for a couple years, and she was... Of course you did. She was just great. She was really great. <laughs> so, you know, I'm also allergic to all mammals, so uh, this is it's also yeah. like a self-preservation thing. I just say that I hate them because I don't want to really realize that that love is off limits to me. <laughs> All right. You could get a hermit crab. Uh, hmm. No. I don't know. I don't think I would. I don't, I don't know. I just don't get it. I mean, you just like look at it and it moves around and you find joy in that or something. I don't know. You have a kid. <laughs> yeah, she's human. She's, I know, but what? <laughs> she's supremely interesting. All right. Well, thank you. Thank very you very much. And I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, it's a nice day. I think today you're gonna go on a walk. Mm, yeah, a bike ride maybe. Mm. Let's play basketball when this is all over. Yeah, let's do that. All right. Okay. All right. Well, I love you. Thank you for this. Mm -hmm.